Gracious Heavenly Father, again, we are so grateful for the time that we have to spend together as believers, and Father, that we can do that with the knowledge that you are working in us and through us. And so, Father, I'm grateful this morning that we can have the discussions, uh, that we can speak to people that have, that have got experience and biblical knowledge about these things. But Father, I pray you give wisdom, you give courage, uh, Father, that you would be glorified through all that is said and that is done this morning. In your name, amen. All right. Well, what we might do, I think you know most of the people here this morning, uh, so I won't go through introducing everybody again, but we might start off with a more simple question before we get to the complicated ones for these guys. Yeah, it's right here. Now, we're talking about marriage, we're talking about relationships, we're talking about all that sort of thing. And there's an old saying, and some of you may have heard it, you know when you know. Yeah? Who's heard that before? You know when you know. You know it's the right person, you know when you know. What do they mean? So I'm in a relationship, how do I know that person is the right person? How do I know that I know when I know? Yeah? That's on. It's on. Okay. It doesn't sound like it's on. It's on? Okay. I like this question. <laughs> um, I think initially it depends on what you think the question means. Because if it means love at first sight, I would say you're setting yourself up for a problem there. You're too close to me. Back away. Um, yeah, <laughs> so I think, um, it, you know, love at the first sight is, is basically just attraction at first sight, and certainly that happens, but that will happen to you many times in your lifetime, and probably happen to you continually after you're married. Um, I'm just being honest, you know, attraction is just something, part of the human condition. It's what we, how we control that, and how we use that, uh, so when you know if you know, I think really comes down to after you've developed a certain amount of relationship with the person beyond the level of attraction and you are moving towards a deeper relationship. I think it's kind of a, if you're willing to accept that you're looking towards marriage um, and at that point you see that person as a potential marriage partner, then I think you're at that point where you know, but you're, it's still a work in progress until you actually get to the point of marriage. You're still saying, I'm working towards this goal. We both see this as our goal. But if at any time something comes up in this relationship that's a red flag to me, we're not there yet. We can still step away from this. We haven't made that commitment to each other. But we're going to behave as though we're heading towards that goal. I hope that was clear. Hello. Uh, sorry. For me, uh, how I know, uh, I think first of all is uh, uh, I know to know that the person is a Christian, and that's the foremost. And then after that, 
uh, actually when how I started to uh, date my wife was to uh, we were in the same church and when she I was there before she came in so when she came uh, I know that she's a Christian I did the background checks and all the stuff <laughs> and then after all the background checks uh, and then I've got uh, spoke to my pastor and a wife so they also did some interview with so I want to get all those kind of background things in order and then and then obviously uh, because I kind of uh, like her and then I saw I did those other, other, other prerequisite, prerequisite. Thank you. Um, to, to know when you know, I think if we refer back to the sermons that Pastor Matt preached on and parents being involved in that decision, I think you're going to know that you're supposed to marry this one when your parents are on board with this, when your his parents are on board with this, your pastor is involved in making that decision, and nobody's saying, oh, there's a red flag here. So it's in a multitude of counselors. It's not just going to be you, because we all have fleeting moments when we think something is right or something is wrong, but having the counsel of those who have godly authority over us, I think that's what would help you to know when that is the case. When Becky walked into my sight for the first time, I said, that's the one. I did not think that. Uh, I actually, uh, I, the first time I ever saw her was at church. Uh, it was My dad was speaking at another church. We went and saw Becky was, I think, 13 or 14 years old. Uh, and she stood up to sing with a, a group of girls. They sang a special and uh, she, was, she was wearing a red dress, I remember that. And I told my brother, my brother was sitting right next to me, I said, see that girl in the red dress? That's the one I'm going to marry. And uh, I knew, I knew. The, the, the hard part of it is, that was not the first girl I had said that about. <laughs> so maybe I didn't know that I knew. Um, but I think the important part is, like Kingsley mentioned, there are qualifications, and so yes, there's attraction, but you have to make sure that it's not just attraction that's drawing you in. There has to be prerequisites. Um, it, how can two walk together except they be agreed? Um, and so there's salvation. Uh, there's a agreed walk together with the Lord. Um, and I cannot just go with, oh, today I think she's beautiful, so I think I'm going to marry that girl. That was a very immature way of thinking. And so, uh, yeah. You okay? All right. Some, goodness, now I'm all jumpy. <laughs> Connor, don't move. <laughs> so maybe, maybe I'll like expand on that question a little bit more than... Um, in the context of us being believers, because an unbeliever can know that they know, right? And an unbeliever can have a, a set of high standards for someone to meet within that. But for us as believers, there should be 
more to this. It should be um, my relationship with God and, and her relationship with God are at such a point that God is working in and through both of us. The Holy Spirit is also working in this to give us that knowledge that we know. So it's beyond physical attraction, it's beyond all of that, but now God is in this. I've had the counsel of others. Um, so Pastor Matt, can you just speak to that a little bit? You're asking me to speak to the, the counsel of others. Yeah, so uh, if you think back to one of the sermons I made mention of uh, red flag being the clinginess, we have to be together. Uh, that I see that as a red flag. We have to spend more time together and it becomes detrimental to others relationships that you have with others, especially your own family. Um, and, and so your draw should be your own spiritual walk and then her spiritual walk or vice versa. And then others will see that and they will be encouraged in your spiritual walk. But if your attraction to that other person in the dating stage, if you are Trying, if you're looking for more and more ways to spend time with that person at the exclusion of everyone else and at the detriment of relationships with other people, uh, perhaps this relationship is not going in the right direction. Mm. It will be affirmed by others instead of you having to tell them that they affirm you. Does that, yeah. does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. In Jeremiah 29, 11, it says, For I know the plans that I have for you. And that includes marriage, yeah? God knows the plans that he has for us. That's for both of us. Um, and so for, for us as believers, the first place that we should be going to is our Heavenly Father because he has a plan for us as an individual as well as us as a couple if that's where it's to go to. Anybody else got any other comments on that? Eric, do you want to say something else? Thank you. Um... So I'm going to add on to um, what's been discussed. Um, we all hear, as a Christian um, family, when we go home, we live with, or we, we, we spend most of our days and times with mostly non-Christians in our communities. And the pressures of the non-Christians upon young people deciding to um, cut each other in the right way, especially you young people in this church. Um, you go home and you listen to all this. But when you go home in your community, the, the pressure is very strong. The, the pressure to fall into sin, into a relationship that is bad, uh, into a relationship that you know from your feelings that you should be doing when you are not checking the Bible or you're not consulting Pastor Matt or consulting the Lord about your feelings. The danger is that you can make a wrong choice. Um, so the encouragement here is when you hear that, that or when you see a girl or a boy that is unsaved in your community, 
and you have great interest, first, come and speak to Pastor Matt about it. Um, don't let your feeling, don't let what you know that your heart is telling you to do, follow. Your heart is wicked. The Bible says it. So my encouragement to you young people is um, before you dive into something that your feelings draw you with, stop and think. Stop and think. Do you know um, the effort it takes to stop is to stop and do nothing? You stop, you think that am I, what am I, the, the, the steps I'm trying to do, is it right? The person that I'm trying to go and date, is it correct? Is, it, is she saved? Is he saved? No? Okay, you come and speak to Pastor Matt about it. But so, um, yeah, that's just an encouragement to the young people this morning. Okay, maybe we'll move on to the second question there. So you know you knew, you, you've, you've gotten to that point where both of you know, hey, we're supposed to get married. Uh, you start walking down that track. You've talked to, to Pastor Matt, you've talked to family members, people have counseled you, they've, they've brought you together and everybody agrees, hey, this is a positive thing. So we're at that point now where we've decided to get married, but what do I do, what do we do while we are waiting to get married? Do the rules change from when we were maybe just dating to now we're engaged? Do the rules change at all? Is there, uh, is there some flexibility in that? Where do we go now that we're getting married? I'll allow the rest of the panel to speak, but I'm going to come right out of the Word I want you to hear this very carefully. There's only two ways that you treat a person of the opposite sex. As a brother or sister or as a spouse. It's the only way you treat them. I'll give you the verse. This is 1 Timothy 5, verses 1 and 2. Rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a father and the younger men as brethren, the elder women as mothers, the younger as sisters, with all purity. And so it doesn't matter if you're engaged or you're dating or you're not. Young men do not have any right at any stage, at any point, to put their hands on a young lady, vice versa. Does not have any right to do that until the day they are married. At the point they're married, she now moves from being your sister to being your spouse. And so there is not a difference in we were not dating to we're dating, now we're engaged. All of those, you treat them the same. As your godly sister in Christ, your godly brother in Christ, you don't cross that line until marriage. And at marriage, then she's your spouse and nobody else. I treat my wife as my spouse, and I put my hand on no other woman like I'm putting my hand on my wife right now. There's a way that a man acts with his wife that he does not act with anyone else, and he's to act with all other women like his sister or like his mother.
All right. Uh, I'll just share the experience that uh, my husband and I uh, went through. Uh, when we were engaged, that was uh, when we attended Shalom Baptist Church. Uh, I'm thankful that uh, we were both involved in a lot of church activities. So since the two of us were working at the time, most of our weekends were at work. Uh, but whenever there was a church activity, activity we always uh, got ourselves involved. And um, sometimes we had to spend time with our family members in preparation for our engagement, as, uh, sorry, for our marriage. That was after our engagement. And uh, the, the part that uh, states um, how much should our family get involved with uh, preparation for marriage, I think we were blessed to have uh, Christian families around us who are so supportive, especially our pastor, Pastor Tao, and uh, our relatives, um, Brother Joseph Asiba and the wife, Sister Sue, and as well as my dad, who has always been with me, and uh, he has always been my guide. So our uh, involving family, to guide us through towards engagement or marriage, I see is very important. Thank you. My personal take for that is a point to reminds me of a Genesis chapter two. Genesis chapter two, verse one and verse twenty-four. The phrase says, when two, when two people do decide to get married, Genesis chapter 2, verse 24 says, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and they shall cleave unto his wife, he shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. So before my take for this is, is um, Genesis chapter 2 says, this, this verse talks about two things, uh, living, living, cleaving, and one flesh. So before I took this stand, I knew that it's God designed this. Genesis chapter 2 tells us that. It tells that this marriage is ordained by God. It's something God has designed. It's when these two are getting, this is not uh, Eve meeting a Steve. Um, this um, man meeting a woman for marriage. Genesis chapter 2. I just want to mention the verse that says that it's good for a man not to touch a woman. And uh, there's also another verse that says, can two walk together except they be agreed? And I think that um, the Bible picture of two animals hooked up at a yoke, pulling the plow behind them, is a really good picture. And how can you do that with a lost person? You've got one that's going to veer off the wrong way and I think you just have to have when you're thinking of um, a mate for life that you need someone that's focused on the same things that you're focused on and may you be focused on Christ and his glory and his kingdom and and following him in your life and may that person that's beside you do the same thing and plow that field together I think um, what some of the ladies have been saying and what I'm hearing at least is just being thankful for um, 
opportunities in our Christian community that allow us to come together with that special person, but in a safe, uh, protected way. Um, it's natural to have attraction for that person. It would be normal for you to do so, but the more you op provide opportunity for the two of you to spend time alone, the more opportunity there is for sin. Um, so I think, you know, what I heard was, wasn't it great that we had something else to come around in ministry and ways in which, and with family, and ways in which that we could enjoy each other's company and grow in our relationship, but in that protected environment. And I would just encourage, and, and again, to what Lena was saying, how can that happen with an unsaved person? So I just encourage all of uh, those of you that are single and looking to be married to have that be a big part of your courtship because otherwise it's, it's very prone to head down a different path. Uh, look at this from a cultural angle. What's the accepted norm in our culture here? Is that accepted norm? When I'm, I've now proposed, uh, we're walking towards marriage, what's the accepted norm culturally? And is that accepted norm contrary to, to Scripture? Um, culturally, culturally, um, we all know and understand that um, in our society, when a, a boy um, proposes to a girl, or when a boy likes a girl, he can, or they both can easily go into that act of marriage without the proper biblical ways. Um, that is proper marriage or proper counseling before marriage or a godly way that, that, that we in this church want to in, impart to our youth. Um, our, our society that we live in, uh, the, the, I'll speak on the modern society, uh, the modern culture. Um, that's, that's the places where most of you that are here this morning will go back to. And that's your home. That's most of our youth, your home, your place, your community. When people all around you, when they like each other, culturally, the parents will accept the boy or the girl, and they will begin staying together. Or they go ahead and do the marital acts before being actually married. They have sex before marriage. Um, and, and that is our culture. That's happening where we live. But here, here we're talking about the biblical way, the right way, the Bible way, the way that God honors. And that's the way that we want to put forward to our youths, you. Um, so what you see displayed in your society, in your homes, in your communities, in your villages, with confidence I will say 99% of it is not biblical, not God-honoring. So we need to get back to, again, I will stress for our youths, 
come back, speak to Pastor Matt and Miss Becky. Say, I have, there's a girl that I want, I want to, I'm interested in. She's unsaved. Seek counsel. There's a boy I'm interested in. Maybe he's, he's unsaved or maybe he's not, but he goes to this church. But I'm interested. Come and seek counsel. Because if you don't, what you know, your feeling will drive you, pull you to something that you don't want to go into. And that is sinful. All right, well, maybe we will move. I think we've, we've talked about that one a fair bit, and we touched on that one last time. So maybe we'll move into some questions that uh, pertain more to after we've gotten married. Some of the things that come up that we don't necessarily get to address until we're married. Issues like finances or issues like raising our children. Maybe I have a different perspective on how to raise my children than what my now new spouse does. Or maybe a, a different perspective on how do we put money away or what do we actually do with our money? How do we deal with conflict within the family? So maybe we'll, we'll talk more to that. And this is probably a little bit more beneficial for those of you that are already married and are potentially dealing with those issues or, or going to deal with them in the future. So panel, let me ask you this one first. What should we do when our financial styles, because money can be one of the biggest divisive things within a, a marriage. It can also be one of the biggest things that brings us together in solidarity as well. So what do we do when there are financial differences in our financial styles that can potentially cause conflict? How do we resolve that? Up into that. Uh, uh, finances are some of the, as one of the things that uh, one of the uh, things that come into marriage and issues that create uh, uh, argument in, 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 in families. I think the first of all, uh, if there are two, uh, if their husband and wife are separating two earnings from different, I mean, they're having two incomes. I think it's first of all you have to declare that. The wife will declare and the husband would and then you decide whether do a do a, a nominated account so everything is in one and you manage that or else uh, uh, we know what is and we try to contribute what is for the operation of the and who takes care of what. So that depends on individuals, how they, they see it. But then you have to manage that. If you don't manage that, it becomes a problem. problem. It's all about however you see it, do it, but also it, you have to manage that. And accountability comes in here. Uh, whatever the spending that you do, I see a lot of times we have issues with my wife because I don't tell her where I spend the money. I think that's the issue. Uh, to avoid that, before I spend that money, I need to tell it that I'm trying to spend it. And if one party disagrees, I think it's best not to spend. I think that's the bottom line. Both must agree in order for to spend. If one disagrees, means no. Thank you. 
I just want to mention that the engagement period is a really good time to talk that out. And after you're married, then you have to actually work it out. Um, and if it's not working out, instead of bashing each other with words or actions, um, counseling can come into play. As to what Lena was saying, I, I would just be clear that in the engagement period, your money is your money. You don't combine your money until you've gotten married. If you're working towards a goal together, then you can work towards, say, the wedding or whatever the goal might be. But uh, you're, still in, you're still operating independently, okay? So your young ladies, your money shouldn't be going to your fiancé or your boyfriend. Like, this is, this is still separated. Um, because in like many areas in our life, it starts to convolute the difference between single and married. Uh, and this is one of those areas. Now, once we're married, I'm of the opinion, and I, I, I believe that it's scripturally based, that all the money of the household is for the household. So it should be combined and shared. There's no mine, yours kind of thing. Now, if in that you make a decision as to like a portion that maybe is allowed to either spouse, you know, this is a decision you make together, you know, for their own comforts and enjoyment or whatever, to have coffee with their friends, whatever it is that they want to do. Um, and who manages it is really, I, I don't think that there's a scriptural basis for it necessarily to be the man or the woman, but obviously I manage our money, but it is under the guidance and help of my husband, uh, for the most part, he doesn't want to know about it. Um, <laughs> he, we joke he makes it, I spend it, but um, it, yeah, like it, to the extent that when we finish a meal in a restaurant, I get up and I pay the bill, you know. But, um, but that's how we've chosen to do that, and a lot of that has to do with my husband's work career in the past and his need to travel, and it just wasn't practical for him to manage the daily needs of our family, and that's just carried on. But um, yeah, those are just some thoughts that, I think, yeah, but obviously it's always done in agreement. So, so maybe Leverage of what Sarah just said there, what are your thoughts on, so I have my job and I make my income and maybe my wife, which she doesn't right now, but in the past she has, my wife has her job and she has her income and I do what I do with my money and she does what she does with her money and somehow we make it work in the middle for what happens for the household. But my money is my money. It's my job. I work hard for this. I get to choose what I do with my money. What, what's your thoughts on that? And Sarah touched on it then, but what's your thoughts on that as a panel? Yeah, same thing. I would add on what Brother Phil said. Um, I work and I earn my own money and my husband also work and earns his own money and we don't kind of like come together and but we budgeted for what we have to spend on and there are things that we need to spend our money on but we make it like we buy this food in the house for the family and we agree but we don't I don't you know, uh, we don't put the money together. We just, I have my own knee, he has his, we put our tights away, and then what's, 
the things that we need to buy for the house, we buy for it. And there's no conflict or no kind of misunderstanding with whatever we earn. Um, <clears throat> we, I, I was married to Sister Malong. Um, we, we get, we, we, into our marriage up until seven years ago. That, that's how I say. From our marriage up to seven years ago, um, we were spending money with an open tap. If you know what an open tap does, it just flows. Um, until 2015, we met Pastor Matt and Miss Becky. And uh, our life financially changed over time with um, Pastor Matt and Miss Becky's guidance and biblical assistance to me and my family and our fa- me and my wife and our family. Um, I'm saying this to say this. Our society teaches us to spend money and not save. You go to your village, you go to your homes, you go to your communities. Everyone's spending money, not saving. When Fortnite comes, there's no money because everyone pays a bookings here and there. Left, right, and center. And everything goes to custom and cultural work and not the family. We don't save. All right? So I'm, this is me and my wife and my family. We have never saved. We have never done any good financial decisions up until 2015 when we met Pastor Matt and Miss Becky. And when they directed us, that's, that's when we began to understand how to deal with finances the right way. And so, the biblical way is the best way. I'll say that again. The biblical way to handle finances is the best way because our culture doesn't teach us that. Your culture doesn't teach you that. My culture doesn't teach me that. When I went to school, my school didn't teach me financial, how to deal with finances. My school didn't teach me. So it is very important to learn how to manage and learn how to run your finances rather than the finances running you. Um... So, yeah, I thank God for Pastor Matt and Miss Becky. Um, I think for newly, newly married couples, um, newly married couples, you need to come back and sit down and get advice from the older ones and from your pastor. I will always stress that because there is safety in counsel and there is safety in um, how you deal with your finances in a godly way. I'm tempted to make this a lesson on finances, but I'm not going to. Uh, I'm trying to stay here. Uh, I found that in counseling couples, uh, 
majority of arguments within uh, married couples can be boiled down to one of three things. It's going to be they're fighting about the money, they're fighting about how they raise the children, or they're fighting about their their marital relationship and uh, whether or not there's jealousy involved, and you can just take and, and go in with your own mind there. In terms of money, it tends to go to one or two extremes. And the one extreme is he is spending money, and I have no idea about it, and now we don't have any. Or she is so stingy that we can't spend any money, and we don't have anything that we can spend because she's trying to keep it all. And both of those extremes will settle in 1 Timothy 6. So let me read you some verses from 1 Timothy 6. So we talk finances within the home. Here we are, 1 Timothy 6, verse 6. Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. Having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves and their wife and their children through with many sorrows." And on the one side, spending money without the spouse knowing about it will lead to jealousy. Maybe the spouse wants to know, how come you spent that money without saying anything? And then you re- reply with, and money blumina you buy also one name. Or the desire to become rich then pushes away the ability to take care of needs within the home, piercing yourself through with sorrows, chasing after, aim global, Bitcoin, all of the things that promise fast money. And so I think that to answer the question regarding finances, in honor, preferring one another, esteeming other better than yourself, uh, but I would like very much to echo mom's statement about before marriage is the time to talk about this. Braxton and Brianna just finished seven weeks, is that right? Seven weeks of counseling during which they had to work through 70 questions. How will they handle finances? Was about three of them. And walking through those kind of questions early before you get to the marriage, will help you to be on the same page when you start in marriage. It will also give you a place that you can come back to. You can say, hey, we talked about this. This is where we agreed. This is how we're going to handle this. And this is how we've deviated. Okay, now let's come back to that ground, the, the ground level. And there's a few more questions here, but we won't, uh, we won't go into those this morning. So let me just wrap this up. Um, So we started off by asking the question, how do you know that you know? Uh, People say, when you know, you know. But we ask ourselves the question, well, how do I know that I know when I'm supposed to know? We know because, one, we have the counsel of other godly people in our lives that speak into that. We know that because 
my relationship is consistent with God and I'm growing in my walk with God and so is my potential spouse. Their relationship with God is, is consistent and they're growing in their work with God and the Holy Spirit is working in our lives. And not only do we have the counsel of godly people in us, but we also have the counsel of the Holy Spirit and that brings us to that point of knowing this is the right person. So now that I know, uh, we know we're going to get married and, and we're engaged, what do we do now? How do the rules change? Well, as we heard this morning, the rules don't change. Just because that ring has now been slipped on the finger and we're engaged, and maybe you don't use a ring, but we're engaged, the standards stay the same. And until we are married... The standard says exactly the same as if we are still dating. And then we come to that last question we just talked about, about finances. And again, I think it was raised a couple times, but that dating period. So what do I do while I'm waiting to get married? Well, this is the point where we're discussing these things. We're discussing finances. Hey, I've got a job and I make a million dollars a year. You've got a job and you make $15 a year. How are we going to come together? How are we going to make this work? That's all discussed in that time period before we get married. Because if there's a point there, maybe it's raising children, or maybe it's how I speak to other people or whatever it is. If there's a point there where we can't get past this, no, 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 I don't want you to have any of my money. My money is my money, and I'm keeping my money here. We need to, to build the house off your money. But my money is going to my savings. If we get to a point where maybe we can't get past that, well, maybe it's time to take a step back and go, hey, is this really where God wants us going to? Our finances, as we heard again, can be something that create great contention within the marriage, but they can also unite us in a common cause. You've heard Pastor Matt and Miss Becky talk about it in the past, about how they love saving for things together. They love saving for, I love my church Sunday, or they love saving for offering for a missionary, or they love, that's something that unites them as opposed to divides them. So our finances within our home should be something that bring us together in unity over something that God has laid on our hearts, not something that splits us apart. The same can be said for the way that we raise our children. It should be a decision that we make together. It should be we raise our children in the light of what God is showing us through His Word, and we do it in a manner that glorifies Him. We have blended families here. And as blended families, we come maybe with a little bit of ownership of finances, of, of our children. Oh, that's my child. That one's your child. That doesn't bring unity in the family. And I can see Pastor Matt's already going to Scripture here, but, but that doesn't bring unity within the family. We need to be united in what we do. And those conversations start when we're dating. So that when we get married, we can work out the practical application of that. Yeah? All right, well, I think that's it. Unless you've got something else you want to say, Pastor Matt. Of course you do.
close with. Uh, Viro and Tejea are here with baby Jemima. Would you guys mind to come on up? Uh, they know about this uh, before the service. We talked about it. Uh, you guys can just stay here for just a moment, and then we'll dismiss in just a second. Uh, so thankful for the Lord's blessing and giving baby Jemima to Viro and Tejea. I've said this before, and I think it's important that we repeat it every time. I'm going to pray a prayer of blessing over this baby. Uh, but this has nothing to do with this child's salvation other than the fact that we pray that one day this child will come to know the Lord Jesus. So this doesn't save the baby. Um, we're not baptizing her or anything like that. But my goodness, what an opportunity for us to remember that children are in heritage of the Lord. And so what I'd like to do is I'm going to pray for Viro and for Tehea. And Jeremiah must be out in Children's Church, is he? Yeah. And so we're going to pray for their family and pray for this little baby. And she's done a fantastic job. Has she slept through the whole service today? Pity you guys tonight. All right. Well, let's pray. Father, thank you for Viro and for Tehea and for the opportunity to be able to watch as children are born into the church. Lord, I pray for their little girl, for Jemima. Lord, I pray for her to grow strength and and for them to be wonderful parents that point her to their, her need for salvation. Thank you for the work that they've already been doing in Jeremiah's life. And now as Jemima follows in his footsteps, I pray that they would continue to point their children towards the Lord Jesus. Thank you for your goodness upon us in giving us children the opportunity for us to raise them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless. Lord bless you guys. Have a wonderful week.